from Infinite Guest, this is Top Score, a conversation with composers who write music for video games. I'm Emily Reese. Ryan Ike got his first big break in video game composition by answering an open call on Twitter for composers for a game called Gunpoint. He got the job, and the score for that game ended up with a BAFTA nomination. Ryan's been working in the industry ever since. When did music become something that you were interested in, if you remember that moment at all? It's tricky to remember the exact moment because it's sort of one of those things I've always been interested in and has Mm -hmm. resonated with me. My parents got me when I was five, they got me uh, an NES with Super Mario Bros. Okay. And I remember playing that and then wandering around all day, like even as a little kid, kind of like making a sad attempt at like humming the theme and kind of just always had it stuck in my head. And I think that's when I realized like that's something that really kind of speaks to me is like the musical aspect of anything. We had this um, really old kind of janky, like beat up organ in my parents' basement for whatever reason. And I would kind of sit down there and like a creepy, you know, like, like a gargoyle, like under the stairs, like banging out, um, you know, my favorite cartoon themes as a kid, like DuckTales and Tailspin and all that, all that stuff. And so um, my parents were like, we should probably get this kid some piano lessons because he's obviously not cut out. He's not going to be successful at anything else. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Like we can tell already. So um, yeah. And so from there, I kind of studied, you know, I was in bands and studied music all throughout high school and college. But um, yeah, it's definitely been like a lifelong thing. I feel like I'm very lucky in that way because some people can spend a long time you know, searching for what it is that they're kind of meant to do. And I feel like I'm just like this bubbling oaf who stumbled into it right away. I'm like (laughs) super lucked out. you say your main instrument is then piano definitely piano yeah i've been playing that since i was uh about four so like 25 years ish and uh backup is drums i don't have a set right now which just means like the area around my current frame is my drum set and it drives my wife crazy because i'm always like banging on my like rib cage and on like various like <laughs> You know, like the stands and stuff when she's going shopping, she's like, you need to stop that. Like Everybody at <laughs> everybody Max is looking at us. You have to stop. So was your family musical? Um, my dad is a very talented drummer, and I think he was a lot of the reason that my, my family is kind of split down the middle between like musicians on one side and people who could not be less <laughs> musical <laughs> on the other side. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I married that way, too. Like my, my wife, I, you know, who I love more than anything, fully admits she's you know, if there's a, if there's a notch like below tone deaf where you're somehow <laughs> singing like the antithesis of whatever the correct note is at that time, like that's what, that's oh, what she wow. is. Oh, wow. How funny. Um, yeah. You know, it's fun to have like a compliment.
you started playing music, uh, how much at the time were you kind of composing or maybe improvising? When did that element come into your arsenal, as it were? Okay, so um, I didn't really start writing anything original until uh, high school. Uh, I wrote okay. this. Now, now I'm like super embarrassed about it. The super mm-hmm. simple like piano piece called uh, I think it was called Aurora, that just had like a lot of very simple like triplets. There was nothing really you know, nothing to write home about. But it was it was definitely something that I was it was my first foray into writing an entirely original piece. And that mm-hmm. was uh, you know looking back on that, I think that was when I realized like oh this is kind of what I want to do. Like playing mm-hmm. other people's music is amazing, but like I want to mm-hmm. make stuff. What do you think that fulfills for you creatively as opposed to playing other people's music? It's it's sort of like when I you know I would I would hear other people's music and and walk around humming it all day and I would catch myself I'd be doing chores or homework at that age or whatever it was and catch myself like oh yeah I'm humming the theme to you know like Beyond Good and Evil or whatever I was playing at the time and I think what it is no I know what it is is that I want to be the one to do that for someone else it, it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with the idea of catchy not being a bad word. You know, I spent a lot of time being like, oh, I, you know, I really want to write stuff that's catchy and that people get stuck in their heads. But, you know, that's kind of, is that, is that lame? Is that, you know, not, not deep enough? And I kind of eventually decided on, no, that's, that's plenty. That's what I want. I want other people to have their, have something I've written, hopefully be walking around whistling it or humming it or have it stuck in their head. So when did games start? What what? How did you get into that as uh, you know a money making venture? <laughs> so um, it started in 2010 was when I first really started trying to kind of get into game audio. But I uh, went to grad school at SF State, mm-hmm. and they taught me a lot of 20th century music there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking that era of music at all because it's great and there's so much awesome stuff to learn from it but after my three years of studying that that was when I kind of realized like okay like it has to be game music or nothing yeah so yeah so I got out and of grad school in like 2010 and started really you know hustling and trying to meet devs and trying to get in touch with them online but it's a very tricky industry to break into because there's no you know you don't hand somebody your resume so um I got lucky again when on Twitter I saw somebody mention that this game called Gunpoint was holding open auditions, where basically the developer had this trailer of some gameplay, some early gameplay, and he was like, hey, internet, write some music to this and send it to me, and maybe I'll pick you to do the music for the game. this 1920s kind of stylized you know game with like noir elements and like a detective in a fedora is kind of the main character 
And so I was like, okay, I'll do this as like an exercise and I'll do some upright bass and some trap set and kind of try to give it that jazz flavor and was shocked and am still shocked that uh, Tom Francis, the developer, kind of got back to me. He was like, hey, I kind of like what you did. Could you do more of this? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, my, that was my first kind of foray into paid game audio. And um, I'm very lucky and very fortunate to have gotten to work with Tom and the rest of that team because uh, the game, you know, I'm happy to say went on to do pretty well. And, uh, you know, it was a super organized production. Like it's, it's still one of the best experiences I've had in the industry. So I'm super fortunate. just a little bit more about that because you ended up supplying several tracks for Gunpoint uh, and did you continue with that upright bass jazzy feel for for all of the submissions then? The main thing about that game, the main mechanic, is that there's this device called the Crosslink because it's it's 1920s stylized but it's set in the future. So you have like all these futuristic gadgets. Mm -hmm. And the Crosslink let you, you flick it on and this blue overlay would appear over everything and you could see all the circuitry in these buildings that you're sneaking into. Your objective is to sneak into buildings and avoid the guard patrols and kind of steal data, like hack into this terminal and leave with it. And you could see the circuit paths when you turn this on from like a light switch to the lamp that it controlled or the elevator button to the elevator itself and you could rewire them to do what you wanted. So what I ended up doing uh, for that, since it kind of had this dualistic nature, was I would write a jazz track for a level and then also write a parallel, basically the same track again, but using all these kind of you know electronic instruments instead of the upright bass and the set and the piano and all that. So when the player turns on the crosslink, the track continues playing exactly where it was, but now it's shifted into this more kind of futuristic electronic sound. And then when you turn it off and you're just seeing regular life, again, it goes back to the kind of more organic sounding instruments. over the projects that you've worked on, you know, these are indie games. How, <laughs> you mentioned earlier that, you know, you live in Seattle, you can't throw a rock without hitting a game developer, but that's really only half the battle, like you're saying. I mean, you still have to find people who are willing to listen to your music. And right. a number of these I've noticed have also been like crowdfunded projects. Mm-hmm. How do you get hooked up with these things? The way that it worked out the best for me is you can cold email people all day. You can find games online and forums that devs are working on and get in touch with them and be like, hey, I'd love to do some work for you. And that'll work out maybe like one in 200 times. Yeah. Uh, You can do it. And I have done a ton of it and gotten some projects that way. But the best way is to go to PAX, go to IndieK, go to GDC, go to all these big kind of game industry conventions and uh, don't 
for the love of God, don't do what I did the first couple of times I went, which is like hard sell yourself, like kind of obnoxiously pressing your business card into people's faces and stuff <laughs> and like cornering people in bathrooms. Like it's the worst. No one wants that. So what you do instead is go to these and just go to have a good time and make friends. I know that might sound a little bit kind of like naive, but really it's the best way because you'll end up meeting all these developers. Uh, you're not pressuring them. You're just making friends with them, having a good time. And before you know it, Maybe they'll work on a game in the future. Maybe they're working on one that needs sound right now. Maybe they know somebody, but pretty soon you're making all these connections. And then when you're sharing your music on Facebook or Twitter or your SoundCloud or wherever, you now have this following of people who are in the industry and go, oh, that actually sounds pretty cool. And I know this person. So I, you know, you're much more likely to have an impact in that way if you're just kind of in it to make friends first. Super excited about it. It is a uh, 80s horror-influenced multiplayer game. So it's competitive multiplayer, but it's got all these great kind of 80s horror trappings. Think like you know The Thing or Halloween or mm -hmm. you know any of those kind of great, especially like John Carpenter movies from that era. Sure. So everything is kind of all like you know hazy and bloom lighting and neon infused and stuff like the like the cinematography from that era. And it's it's very cool. And so I'm getting to do this 80s analog horror so a lot of kind of old school like analog synthesizers and uh these creepy pads and just trying to kind of balance that 80s like cheesiness mm -hmm. if you know what i mean mm -hmm. with the horror side of it sure and it's been a really fun challenge and it's not like anything i've gotten to do before And tell me about Interference. Okay, so Interference is a uh, cyberpunk stealth game about this uh, group of people who are trying to kind of overthrow their, you know, autocratic government that controls everything, you know, and can see everything you're doing, typical like cyberpunk stuff. And uh, so you have this ability, your character, to glitch reality around you. So you turn on this ability and imagine if this kind of grid overlay appeared over the environment and you could take the different blocks in the grid and shuffle them around. So now this enemy is over here and this platform has moved this way and this door that was in your path is now, uh, you know, you've moved the entire door up above you. So now there's just a hole there so you can move through it. So you kind of literally take the environment and shuffle it around however you like. And so that's been really cool. That's kind of a similar, uh, you know, soundtrack environment to what I did on Gunpoint, where I'm getting to write these uh, fun, like, electronic tracks, but then whenever you turn on glitch mode, uh, we're having the music sound like it glitch out, glitches out like it breaks. So we're doing all these stuff to kind of, like, cut it apart and have parts of it, like, reverse on itself, so it sounds really, like, busted and broken, like your audio engine is falling apart whenever you're using it. Awesome. That's been, that's been really fun. 
I'm most... Can I say the word excited anymore in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a five-year-old. <sighs> um, so... I'm very uh, moderately looking forward to this uh, this uh, game called Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. And uh, I want to go there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just the title alone. Yeah. So um, it's made by Janemann Nordhagen, who has the most Norwegian name I've ever heard in my life. Uh-huh. And uh, he was the programmer on a game called Gone Home and also worked on Bioshock 2. Yes, yeah, so he's, he's got some serious chops, and now he has his own studio, and uh, he's making this game that is about kind of, you know, like 1800s-ish America, and it's going to sort of, the world will sort of be structured like a Japanese RPG, but the game is all about kind of traveling and telling stories. So kind of think, you know, like people hopping on boxcars and people having like, you know, knapsacks slung over their shoulders and meeting at, you know, around campfires and stuff and just kind of like sharing their tales. And the whole game is about telling stories and how stories change as you, as you meet new people and as how stories can kind of travel across the country, just the way, you know, America has this heritage with, with travel and adventure, that sort of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what I'm, what I'm working on with it because I'm getting to do this kind of American folk stuff that I haven't gotten to do before. And I really, really like that sound. So like, banjo and fiddle and uh you know a lot of the percussion is just kind of like hand boning you know like just <laughs> slapping your own your own body or, or knocking yeah. on the guitar and that sort of thing cool. um it's going to be my first stab at doing some vocal writing uh okay I, I don't know if you can tell by my you know incredible nasally tone <laughs> i'm not a singer okay. <laughs> i don't want to be a singer yeah <laughs> so I'm going to be working with people who actually know what they're doing on that, but I'm, you know, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. Like I'm getting to do a lot of new stuff on it, and it's the kind of game that I uh, don't think anyone's done something like this yet, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. Uh, Jacob Purnell, who is an amazing fellow game composer, and Akash Thakar, who is an uh, incredible sound designer. He's got a game called Hyperlight Drifter coming up pretty soon that a lot of people are looking forward to. Uh, the three of us have been doing talks at PAX and PAX South and looking at other venues about how to get into game audio. Um, we're really passionate about kind of trying to help people who are, you know, where we were, you know, four or five years ago, get into this crazy industry that seems like it has no entry point. So, um, you know, I'd like to invite anybody listening to this who's considering getting into it to, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully be speaking at PAX this year. We're waiting to see if we get accepted. But um, regardless, like, feel free if you are hearing this and you have questions about it, um, get in touch. Like, send any of us an email. I don't know if you can put my email in the show notes or you can just Google my my name and you'll find me on Twitter. And feel sure. free to um, ask us any questions you have because it, it really seems scary at first, but it's not so hard once you kind of start reaching out to people. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much. What a pleasure it's been to speak with you today. Thank you. This this seriously made my week. No <laughs> idea.
Thank you for listening to Top Score from Infinite Guest. You can learn more about composer Ryan Eich and see a full playlist from this episode at infiniteguest.org. Mark Hintz mixes each episode of Top Score. You can follow Top Score on Twitter and Facebook at Top Score Podcast. That's Top Score. I'm Emily Reese. Thank you.